Hey, this is Kate. Welcome to Two Pastors Take a Walk and Make a Podcast. This is Yolando, and as always, we're talking about what is astonishing us, what we're thinking about, and what we're preaching. Once again, we're at the seminary uh, with no <laughs> one's permission, and uh, who are. knows if we'll get interrupted. Yeah. Um, so what's astonishing you this week? I'm astonished by... Um, uh, since this is Teacher Appreciation Week, well, what I'm astonished by and what I'm thinking about are the same thing, so I'll talk about them both now. Um, we've been giving some gifts to our son's teacher, and we love her, and she's great and wonderful, and uh, I've been thinking about um, you know, how little teachers get paid for the work that they do and how important teachers are, and I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before, but I have been thinking about... My teacher, uh, Miss Carter, and I've told you this story about how this woman just changed my life. And I was thinking about her this morning, and you know, I found her obituary, and oh, um, yeah, um, uh, this morning I looked it up and was thinking about her, and you know how when I was in middle school, I had this teacher um, in a math class who privately told me, um, "Your people don't do very well in math." Oh, good God! Yeah. And that just really wrecked me for a number of years. Yeah. I just, <laughs> and, and you're a kid, so you don't. So you believe that? Yeah, you just internalize it. And um, I just held on to that and walked in that for years. And I remember I took a world history class, Miss Carter. I was in the ninth grade, it was the second semester. It was final exams, and I remember I got the test. I put my name at the top. I answered a question or two on a four-page exam, and I went to lunch. And she went, uh, or she came into the cafeteria and found me, called me into the hallway, and I just remember like it was yesterday. It was over 20 years ago, but I remember leaning against the lockers, and she had my test in her hand, and she said, what is this? Like, it was my test. (laughs) And um, she's like, you have been leading my class all semester. You're one of my best students. You know this stuff. I know that you know this stuff. What is going on with you? And I remember the tears just start coming down my face. And I just started saying, I'm not supposed to do this well. I'm not supposed to do this well. And I just remember the look on her face. It was anger and love and compassion. And she asked me, who told you that? Mm-hmm. And I didn't have an answer. And she said, I don't know where you got that, but you're going to get into my classroom and you're going to finish this exam. And I did, and it was great. And that just broke whatever off of me. And mm-hmm. that changed my academic career. That really changed the trajectory of my life. Uh, when I was ordained at um, Idlewild Presbyterian Church in Memphis, this great Gothic structure, mm-hmm. and we're processing with the choir down the great center aisle, mm-hmm. I remember, I look over to my left, center of the uh, oh aisle. Oh my gosh, and, and there, she was there? there's Mrs. Carter. Yeah, oh, wow. she was there. What this looked like, you know, yeah. I knew. I, I just knew, yeah. and so... Um, this Teacher Appreciation Week, I'm just so very great. Uh, she 
in many ways, she just saved my life. Yeah. Um, so I'm just very grateful for her and so disappointed with the the pay that teachers get and um, uh, our, our education system that does not value all of our students and all of our children. And there's this competition that's so destructive uh, that communicates... I want my child to do well. Your kid, I don't really care about your kid as long as my kid does well. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, what is interesting for me is I definitely, I definitely want better pay for teachers. Um, obviously, I'm in favor of it. But I also just think it's so totally unsurprising that our culture does not value those that work, that gifting, those skills. Yeah. I mean, our culture just does not value that, and our culture pays what it values, right? So, wow. yeah. so I just think you know. And what's important to me is like, a, there's a justice issue, um, and a, and a working to sort of, you know, more closely align in terms of whatever control I have in mm. my sphere of influence to say the values of the kingdom with the values of the culture, but also just to speak life into teachers, because I think no matter how much we know it's not true, people begin to internalize, well, I'm worth what my paycheck says. Wow. Like, I'm just worth what my paycheck says, right. right? And we hear that message in so many ways and in so many places. And I think it's important not just to sort of sentimentalize teachers mm. and mothers, but to really claim, like, your you have you are doing work of surpassing value mm. and worthiness and this is world changing work and destiny shaping work Absolutely. and you know one of the reasons that we devalue the work of teachers is because if if people because teachers have the have the power to overturn the status quo mm. right they have the power to disrupt the powers and principalities that currently shape who we are and how we live and what we know is true right so so i think in yes like i want to march i want to support that but i also just from our perspective want to say this culture does not value what is truly valuable mm. and so you can't look for your affirmation in this culture because what you're going to get is a mug with an apple on it wow. as opposed to you know just the the deep reverence of knowing that um, those who teach as a calling mm. from God are our first line ministry make I mean they are ushering in the kingdom of God yeah. period so yeah. Um, so yeah so I think that's great that's yeah. a that's a wonderful wow. story. Yeah. Well, yeah. God bless Miss Carter. So, what is astonishing you? Um, well, I could do a rant, but I'm gonna oh, adopt the spiritual practice. Fine. Nope, not gonna uh, do it um, because I believe, just as we were saying, it's important not just to say what we're against, but to develop mm. the sustaining practice of compellingly articulating what we're for. Yeah. Um, so earlier this week, I had this incredible gift of um, going on retreat with some friends who um, are all in ministry in one form or another. Um, I want to say for all of our listeners that I have been begging Yolanda Hinton to be part of this group for years, and he steadfastly refuses his blessings, but whatever. Um, but, but this group um, is just a group of um, friends 
And we um, come together for a three-day um, retreat every year, um, and it's always on vocational holiness. And it's just a group of people who are gathered around um, really understanding um, just the holiness mm. and value of the local church and ministry, and not ministry as a stepping stool to world domination or you know ecclesiastical splendor or any of those things, but really believing um, that ministry was just rich, sacred, holy, honorable work and and a joy and a privilege and wanting to be um, in intentional community with people who. Um, would would speak life and mm. you know holy rebuke and hold you accountable for that and so um, it's just really good to to be together with people that you've known for so long and have seen you I mean just kind of coming away once a year is just kind of an interesting touchstone I mean you really do mm. um, and it's a space where you really can be honest and vulnerable sort of and anyway it's just um, it's really it's a huge gift. And I think a theme that I want to lift up in this podcast often is just how powerful and important friendships are Mm. and nurturing them and investing in them Mm. and choosing friends wisely and, um, and having, you know, meaningful, meaning filled conversations and relationships and not just recreational or anyway. So, um, that was, it's just astonishing to, to be friends with these people and see it once, you know, how people are so exactly who they were 20 years ago and then also, mm. you know, have have deepened and ripened and um, holding space for one another through just huge tragedies. I think, you know, when we start out young and, you know, tragedies, what's going to happen to other people and we're going to minister to them and, mm. and then, you know, people's lives fall apart in all kinds of ways and there are, are not always quick fixes and then also there's enough space to be able to look back and remember, you know, I remember how shattered you were five Mm. years ago and, and where you are now. Anyway, it's just a really good thing. And it just reminds me, um, just this manifestation of we were made for community. And when we make community, which won't happen spontaneously, when we Mm. make community and particularly a community where we, it's centered on Christ and on this audacious, um, expectation that, that God, will come and dwell in the midst of us and we'll anyway so it was beautiful and um i'm i'm sad it's over and i'm eager um to you know make those people proud and honor those values and to be together again and still hopeful that someday you will agree (laughs) to grace us with your presence well i i do think you're exactly right about community and i think it's one of the great gifts the church to the world mm-hmm. um, and just I, being able to say like there are more productive things you could do there yes. are more you know um, exciting flashy right there are more ego driven things you right. could do mm-hmm. you could earn you know you could invest things that would mm-hmm. earn but I mean just to store up relationships is the kind of treasure that we're we're meant to be mm-hmm. we're meant to be seeking intentionally and obviously Jesus spent most of his active ministry nurturing relationships yeah. with 12 people and felt like, I'm sure just like Miss Carter did and like mm. people who say, you know, the people who are in front of me can and should be in some really healthy ways, the center of my world. Like I should pour into them. I shouldn't be waiting yes. for a bigger stage or mm-hmm. more important, mm-hmm. whatever, like these mm-hmm. are the lives I have to impact. And so I want yeah. to impact them. Yeah. And, um, anyway, so that is great. Wow. Um, 
so here's what I'm thinking about quickly okay. because you already did that. I um, ran, th- again, uh, a friend who's on this trip recommended um, a book, which is one of the best things is exchanging book recommendations. Oh, one okay. another, Right. Um, so it's called, the, it's called The Art of Pastoring by this guy, William Martin. And it's clearly written, I don't know, the, the language is very gendered and the pastor is all male, but I... I under, I understand he's talking to me even if he doesn't and um and and it, and it, but it's really good but um I was just reading a couple of the reflections and the one thing that he said that has really struck with me that I've just been thinking about is just talking about like receiving people as they are when they come into your community and and expecting and feeling honored to serve them no matter how you perceive their maturity or commitment or whatever Mm. just you know the sacredness of that and not having kind of internal lists in your head of who is most valuable however you rank value that that's just you will be accepted in our community when (laughs) right right or I mean and even if we as pastors I think you can't really help but you you lean on certain people in Mm. certain ways or people contribute things that are really necessary Mm -hmm. or you have I mean whatever like we all have this temptation to to play God and think Mm -hmm. we know what another person should or ought to do. And, and he was just warning against the danger of that and, and recognizing that like, you're not called to Mm. spiritually mature anyone that like God is in the place and anyway, whatever. But the one thing that he said that was helpful is if you have to make lists, if you have to kind of think about where people are, which I mean, I suppose it is helpful on some level to look for evidence of the spirit, right? Looked for evidence of God. Right, because the Bible talks about fruit. Right. But he was saying, you know, a helpful way to do that would be to to make a list with two columns and and on one column it is it would be has been well loved well and has not been loved well enough. Or you know, that sort of idea that um, when we have been loved well, mm-hmm. we are we are healed and and mm. we become able to love others well, or at least to aspire to that, or at least to Mm self-correct. But when Mm -hmm. we have not yet been loved well, then, you know, in our woundedness, we can do all kinds of things. And I just thought that that was really helpful. So are you saying that it it puts the, the, the burden on the community... Well, to I just think be it's, a certain thing for new people and not for new people to come in and prove themselves. Well, that and mm-hmm. I, I remember talking to somebody who was in therapy and they were talking about, you know, the worst thing for the church is when women become aware of their codependent tendencies because mm. codependent women are the force that get everything done in wow. every church, right? So, yeah. I mean, sometimes can, people can be very high-functioning, very valuable members of a community precisely because yeah. they don't don't know their own belovedness. Mm. They don't know rest. It's never mm. enough, right? So, so I think just to be able to look at people and say, ultimately, people aren't here to build this institution. People are here to come into the fullness of the presence of Christ and to come into the abundant life that God has for them. And the currency of our community is love, but but holy and healthy love. And as a pastor, you know, when, when we look deeply at people, and we should, mm-hmm. right? But it should be from this lens of, you know, how how well formed by love, by love, wow. have these people been? Not really their good. giftedness. I mean, I just That's thought it was really, really, really helpful. Good. And just to say, like, That's there are going to be really some people good. who are difficult, but you can look at them and think, okay, but I I understand why. And also, I mean, I I'm getting ready to preach on the. Whatever the rich young ruler this Sunday, and I mean it's just interesting because when Jesus looks at that young man and loves him, yeah. then the first thing he does to love him well is say, 
sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And the guy leaves the community. Mm. So sometimes I think if we love people well, mm. we will in love say something true and healing that might cause them to leave the community, right? Which is hard because wow. we just want to keep everybody mm-hmm. in all the mm-hmm. time, right? Mm-hmm. But to really... So anyway, that's what I'm... That's I mean, I'm not so making the good. lists in case any Grove people are listening. I'm not <laughs> actually <laughs> sitting down and writing names in columns, but... So what was um, the name of that book again? It's called The Art of Pastoring, and I just Amazoned it, but okay. it, and it was $10, a little paperback okay. book. It's really nice because they're just tiny little... I mean, they're not tiny, but they're like less than a page. And yeah. it is just sort of, again, talking about vocational holiness and talking about sometimes it's so easy to become what Eugene Peterson called memorably a quivering mass of availability, right? Just to like show up every day and be like, <laughs> oh, what do man. I do? What do I do? What yeah. do I do? Mm-hmm. How can I meet your needs? Or how can mm-hmm. I do something that people will perceive as valuable, valuable or spiritual mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. whatever? So um, it's helpful to have some kind of wise people whispering in your ear that make you stop and think, okay, am I going to do what is visible? Am I going to do what is expected? Or am I going to be brave enough to stop and think, who is Jesus? Yeah. What is the kingdom? So good. Anyway, so what you preaching about? We are looking at the second of our core values, yep. uh, which is prayer. And mm. um, I have so a good. tendency to, in my preaching and just in my relating to people, even when I don't intend to, come across as kind of a finger-wagging ought and should kind of person. Um, And I'm not proud of that, but that is a reality that I've got to face. And so as we're looking at this core value of prayer, right, it's very easy to say, okay, everybody, y'all should pray. Y'all should pray more. You said it's a core value, y'all should pray. Which is not the worst thing to say. It's not the worst thing to say, but it's not the best thing. Uh, to say. Uh, we're looking at James chapter 5. Um, is anyone, if anyone mm-hmm. is in trouble, pray. Um, anyone happy, sing songs of praise, yep. sick, elders, call the sick, elders, anointing. pray yep. of faith, yep. right? Uh, the uh, prayer of the righteous. I'm is, sorry. I know my, my <laughs> I- I No, I'm sorry. We're going to have to stop right now because A, your wife is calling you. Yes. <laughs> but B, <laughs> on your phone, I, I so, like, I don't even know you. I might be out. On your phone, it comes up with your wife's name, and then next to it, what is written? It says, my hot wife. <laughs> okay, I'm not ranting today, so. Okay, good. Okay. Good. Okay, you just fit in with all the, you're smoking hot wife preacher. No, <laughs> no. No, no, oh, no, no. Okay, there it is. All right, we'll, we'll come back to that. We'll come back Sorry. to that. Um, let's see now. What were you saying about prayer? What, what am I saying about prayer? Um. <laughs> You were not, sorry, you were not going to say to them, you should pray more because that's not the worst thing to say, but it's not the best. You yes. don't want to be finger wagging. Yes. So um, I think I want to talk about why pray, mm-hmm. not that you should pray. Of course, we all know that we should pray, right? right? I know I should eat less salt, less sugar, and exercise more, right? I, I know the should, but why? And I think in the text, I, I think I see three whys, Um it's it's well, only you're not Friday. gonna see two eyes. Well, so. <laughs> <laughs> boy, you come back from the beach and I'm of, man, I'm full of vim and vigor. Um, yes. Well, and and I I'm 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 just sitting with these three things. Number one, why pray? Because prayer is a get to and not a have to, mm-hmm. right? So we get to pray when we're in trouble. We get to pray when things are going well. We get to pray when we're so it, it's a get to and not a mm-hmm. have to. 
Uh, why pray? I think the next thing is we 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 pray because it really is the path to trusting God. Because there's that mm-hmm. whole thing in James about the prayer of faith, mm-hmm. and so at the same time, when we pray, we're we're saying that God is able to do something uh, about the situation we're in. And at the same time, we're not trying to lock God in that it has to be this way. So we're just, we're trusting God, his, God's power and God's um, wisdom. And goodness. To, yeah. And goodness to act in a way that God wants to act. And so um, why pray? Because um, um, it's, it's the path to trusting God. And then finally, uh, we pray because our prayers really do matter. Mm-hmm. I, I really want to emphasize that that whole bit about the prayers of the righteous availeth much. Yeah, and then that's the, and that's the only place in that section where James then gives an illustration. He goes to Elijah. It's mm-hmm. like almost as if to say, "I know you all don't believe this, so let me give you an illustration mm-hmm. in Elijah." Mm-hmm. And so that's that's where we're going to go and uh, really emphasize that it's it's about us together. It's not about me having my own individual mm-hmm. prayer life by mm-hmm. myself. In oh, my, that's, and and, and really you good. should. I mean, yeah, right, let's right. let's do that. But what James is talking about is the community praying together. There's something about the because when you're sick, it doesn't say, "Well, go and pray really hard." No, call the elders, call the yeah. representatives of the church. This is a um, an activity, a, a discipline that we get to do together? Well, I think two things. One is I definitely think the answer, I mean, to focus on why we pray is the right thing to do um, because because either people have discovered the, the power and the goodness and the rightness of prayer or they have not yet. And so... That, that's important to just yes. be able to name this. You know, some of us, some of us are limited by our understanding. And so if we can't understand, we have a hard time doing. And I don't, I'm not proud of that actually, because I don't want my faith to be limited by my intellect. I would like much more mm. than God, from God. And I know there is so much more to God, but I just, I think a lot of people who are not praying are probably not praying because they, they don't understand why or how this works. And so, I, I mean, I just appreciate somebody saying, mm. I know it's not that I love God more than you do. I know it's yes. not, you know, it, it's that you you don't, you know, we don't know why. And mm-hmm. I think to some extent, the only way to discover the why is an invitation to do, you know, it's a come and see kind of thing. But, yes, um, I would agree. but I do think, and the other thing I think that's really right and holy about that is, you know, for a church um, to, to not commit first and foremost, to prayer as a value and as an activity. I mean, that that's how we live with integrity and authenticity and our identity as a spiritual community, right? Like, we're not called together to harness our goods and gifts to do things for God. Like, that's not what we believe. I mean, we are a people yeah. whose understanding of ourself and the world is formed, I mean, Genesis 3, right? So yeah. I, I, yeah. I, we are coming together primarily to remember that that things are not possible with humans, but things are possible with God. And so we, you know, prayer is one of the ways that we embody that it's not us doing anything that matters, but God doing things that matter yeah, yeah. Um, with and through us and sometimes mm-hmm, in spite of us. Mm-hmm. And just the ability to be moved by the Holy Spirit, I think, is really... But I mean, it took me a long time to get that, my huh. my white, affluent, privileged yeah, self, to yeah. really understand that... Um, it's not that 
good people come together in churches and we know what's best and we understand what's best um, for everyone else. And we're going to use the gifts that God trusted to us to build the kingdom for Jesus. Thank you very much. That's not who we are or mm. were ever called to be. And anytime a group of people get together in God's name thinking that way, bad stuff happens, yeah. right? So yeah. prayer, I think, is one of the things that continually makes us vulnerable and submissive to God and also not vulnerable and not submissive to the powers and principalities of the world, right? Yes. So that, I think, is just really a, a powerful thing. And you know, I think a real light switch went on for me years and years ago when I realized, you know, the church is a supernatural spiritual community. And so if what we do and how we gather doesn't reflect that as our primary identity, then we're just stupid. I mean, like, that's just dumb to be a church that doesn't want to operate in a spiritual supernatural realm or is embarrassed about that. Like, go be a part of the Rotary Club. Like, that's fine. But, like, if you don't believe in that, why are you in church? That is... The church is the body of Christ. And so what we're saying is not our bodies, but Jesus's body. But Jesus has said that when our bodies come together in submission, yoked to him, that we become the body of Christ. And so just, I think it's especially important for, and I always say this a lot, but for people who have positions of power and privilege in the culture Mm. to continually adopt these spiritual practices and have the community continue to help them in the discipline of that because it just rightly orients who has power yes. and authority in the community, which is God and not us. So. Yes. And you've said many times that if someone comes to one of our congregations on a Sunday morning, they're coming seeking God. They're coming right. to seek the presence of God. And so if our congregations are not intentional about one of the greatest disciplines we have to create an atmosphere that's charged with um this, this spirituality, this, this sense of God being present in the room, then They're how good. dumb are we? Well, and, and people who are seeking God want to go to a community and need to be in a community and deserve to be in a community that is seeking God and mm. not, as, not a community that's so satisfied with their small lives that they just turn to God yeah. when they're in trouble yeah. and out of their debt. I mean, you know, people who are seeking are... are first in the kingdom, I think, mm-hmm. and are, are mm-hmm. saying, I recognize that yeah. the things of this world are not enough and are not satisfying, and yeah. I need another, I need to know that there's something more. And so we need to be the people who operate in that. And if they're simply seeking a good sermon, That's, the Million Podcast, if they're simply seeking some good Christian music, they can find that. And those things are good and great and wonderful. Right. But what you need but is a community, community of believers who will join yeah. with you in the practice of your faith, a community where you can be vulnerable about, like, this is where I feel called, but this is where I'm falling down, or this is who I think I should be, but this is who I really am, or how do I get... Yeah, all of that stuff is good. So what are you preaching? I'm preaching on the rich, young ruler in Mark, who is neither young nor a ruler, but whatever. (laughs) Um, But we... um, Well, I think that, actually, I I said this the last time we recorded the podcast, because we reported the podcast before we had the tragic campus shooting Mm. in Charlotte. So I intended to preach on following Jesus through success last week and then had to change and preach on following Jesus through fear just in the aftermath of how many people in our church are, are A, on that campus, teach there, work there, go to school there, but Mm. B, just how many people in our community all the time um, have a very 
um, reasonable fear of gun violence in our neighborhoods. And anyway, so so I feel like I, I probably said everything interesting I had to say last week in this podcast, so don't need to repeat it now. And we're out of time. But, um, but yeah, that's what I'm doing this week. So. All right, very good. Thanks, friend.